Joey, mate, we have got another super, super exciting guest today. Uh, a big, big friend of mine, Dave Johnson. Uh, he is the mortgage strategy specialist. And I think it's a really, really super critical topic that we sort of cover early in our podcasting journey because for me, well, I don't know, you probably heard I say it a thousand one times, but, um, you know, property is really a game of finance. If you can't secure property, if you can't secure the borrowings, you know, how are you going to buy these properties? So it's really important to get that that mortgage strategy down packed nice and early. And I guess that's why we've, we've got Dave on, but Dave, how are you, mate? Very well. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, good to be here. Good to meet Joey. And uh, yeah, there's no doubt mortgage strategy and finance is critical to the property journey. Yeah. And I think it's yeah, really timely that we, we do jump this podcast in kind of early on in, in our scheduling, just because I mean, so many people just get it wrong. They they stroll in or they get advice from mum and dad and, oh, we know bank or we used to know bank manager X and we just stroll in the front door and try and obtain a loan that way and, and really kind of forgo. It might be borrowing power, it might be rates, it might be product. There's so many other things that um, aren't taken in consideration when you just walk straight into a particular, a particular bank. Yeah, I think you, you touched on a really good point there, Joey. You know, it's so typical for every mum and dad investor to, you know, walk into the bank that they've had their savings account with since they were five years old or wherever it is and, and try and secure a loan that way. That's what's familiar and um, what, what they get. They've got recognition and they're happy with the bank. But we're really trying to blow that out of the water today. And I mean, Dave's been doing this for, I'm not going to say how many years, but uh, a couple of years. And, don't, um, don't give away my age. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of wisdom in that age. And, and really, he's kind of um, knuckled this down to sort of five core mortgage strategies. Dave, do you want to maybe touch on those and, and what they entail? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, over my many years uh, in uh, providing mortgage and property advice, I started to understand, I guess, that there's a lot more to it beyond, you know, understanding the products um, and interest rates and all, you know, lender policy. There's also um, mortgage strategies that can help you create wealth and protect your wealth and obviously invest in property. And so, but the, because the industry has been set up around selling products and basically focusing on interest rates and people buying often based on an interest rate, it hasn't really been explored, the, the strategy side of things. And so, you know, that's something, you know, I guess I continued to delve into to understand uh, how you could use mortgage strategy to create wealth. And so the five areas or strategies that we break it down to are offset optimization, which really greases the wheels of the other strategies, um, optimizing tax deductions, money management, risk management, and your ability to hold property. So they're, they're the top five strategies. I've, I've actually recently added into our mortgage strategy report a sixth one, which is your repayment strategy, because that actually interconnects with a number of the strategies as well. So, yeah, look, they're, they're the, the five or now six um, top mortgage strategies. And, uh, yeah, so there's there's different components to each of them. Yeah. Why is it I, so... In Sorry, go, John. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And uh, I just wanted to say for the listeners, like, you know, they sound pretty high level in terms of the, the five topics, but every time I catch up with Dave, which is quite, quite, quite regularly, he gives me some new insight or some new information about what it, it kind of entails and it goes into so much depth. So although you might think 
you know, repayment strategy or, you know, something that's really high level. It's not just how you make your repayments. These, you know, you're really getting into numbers here and how tax impacts things and how, yeah. you know, long-term big picture, what does it look like in 30 years rather than, you know, well, just paying $2,000 today towards my loan. It really goes, dives into things. So um, we'll, we'll try and get into as much depth as we possibly can today, but really understand that it does go um, pretty deep into things. And, and, and Joey, I know, you know, this is something that we're constantly learning on our property journeys as well. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head there. And David, you, you mentioned something that really caught my interest and one of those strategies being like the, the ability to hold on to a property. Um, that might be a segue into the next question that we we're going to ask, but why is it so important that we get that mortgage strategy right from the outset? And I suppose the emphasis is on the outset. Yeah. So with uh, most people who we meet who own multiple properties, they have some problems with their mortgage strategy where they're essentially bleeding some wealth. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of the holding property perspective, as you know, you, you guys I would well know and, and you'd be trying to educate your listeners on. And um, one of the killers of our wealth is selling property we otherwise could have held. And, and so this, there's this really critical interconnection between your property plan and your mortgage strategy and making sure they align. Um, and often we're buying property and we're not looking more than one to three years ahead. And, and if we aren't looking longer term, we're not really... Con considering the impacts of future property decisions that might cause us to then sell properties we've already purchased. Um, and that's where mortgage strategy can help you hold property. And so one of the key ways is preserving tax deductions. And that particularly can be the case if you own, for example, a stepping stone home. And you'd like to keep that on your journey. And as you move towards a long-term home for your family, if that's one of your goals um, and so counterintuitively and through the use of offset accounts you know it actually can make sense to pay interest only or at least the minimum principal and interest and put all your surplus what would have been repayments into an offset account that you don't touch um, and that way you're not paying down the loan balance because every time you pay down a loan balance if that's going to become an investment property in the future well, you can't just redraw that money and then claim the interest on it like a lot of people think you can. Um, so you're costing yourself the, and you know, I'm already connecting a few, <laughs> making it a bit complex, um, but these things interconnect. So, you know, that might be the difference between not only being able to claim tax deductions, more tax deductions on a property, you know, and your listeners and you guys are still, you know, relatively young, that you're able to hold for another 30 years plus. But even so those extra tax deductions might work into hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime, but holding that asset could add an extra million dollars to your bottom line in retirement. So we're talking about big outcomes through an effective mortgage strategy. Um, and they're just a few examples. Yeah, Dave, I wouldn't be- I wouldn't be too worried about getting too complex, mate, here. We, I mean, everyone can start to already see how the web starts to spin itself and goes into depth and further depth and, you know, planning these out, these things out pretty significantly. Um, 
couple of terms there that might people not, might, might not be familiar with. If you're not sure what an offset account is, it's essentially just a, a separate account that's attached to your loan uh, and it reduces the amount of interest you pay based on the amount that's in there. So say you had a loan of 500,000 and you had $100,000 in your offset account. Well, instead of paying interest on 500,000, you're only paying interest on 400,000 because that 100,000 in the offset is, is essentially offsetting the, the 500,000. Um, and, and Dave, you mentioned something really early on in that question that was really key is, is, is being able to hold on to a property or, or sorry, selling a property when you, you might be able to be holding on to that property. I know you've got a bit of a, a story yourself where, you know, you, you sort of hit that pain point when you were younger on in your property journey. Do you mind sharing that with the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've sold two properties that I wish I had have otherwise kept. And, um, you know, one was um, probably latest 20s and then one was early 30s. And, you know, I pretty openly say, probably heard on my own podcast, we had an episode on our biggest mistakes. And, you know, in essence, that's already, those two sales have probably cost me a million plus dollars. And I probably <laughs> uh, could have found a way to hold them, um, you know, but I didn't have the knowledge or foresight at that point in time that I do now. So obviously, you know, that's one of the things we try and educate you know, listeners through podcasts like this or through, you know, work we do with writing and obviously through our business as well. So, yeah, that um, it's a big lesson. And it doesn't mean you can always hold every property because, you know, the, the, the unique thing about property is it's the only asset class we live in. So you've actually got to weigh up your lifestyle priorities alongside your financial priorities. And obviously they can clash. Um, and that's really the crux of what one of the key reasons property investment is so difficult. Yeah, and I think it's just always going to serve you as, as that lesson. And even for myself personally, like um, what just what you mentioned before, like I've only now in the last 12 months gone, damn, I, I wasted four or five years, not wasted, but paying P&I on an investment property that I was never going to live in. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like I bought the property when I was 21. So I would have had such a horizon in, in, in terms of saving those tax deductions for later on, but it's now yeah. unfortunately too little too late for me. So we, yeah. we live and we learn and again, try and tweak around that strategy as, as we go along. But Jordan kind of alluded to it a little bit, but it's a question that often comes up, particularly in and around our demographic as you're just trying to starting to dip your toes mm -hmm. in the investing waters. But do you mind outlining yeah. the difference between offset and redraw? Yeah, so as Jordan just touched on, basically an offset account is um, an, a savings account. So it's just like a simple standard savings account. But every dollar that you put into that 100% offset account is the same as if it went directly into the loan. And so how I try to demystify mortgages for you know younger people, particularly first-time buyers, is Thinking of a loan account as another bank account, it's just another bank account. Unfortunately, it's in debit, <laughs> but it's just another bank account. And um, an offset account is a different bank account that's in credit, okay? Versus a redraw is when you pay down your mortgage and every dollar over and above the minimum repayment you make, that is how much you have available in redraw. And basically you can access those funds on variable rate loans. Generally, most fixed rate loans don't allow for redraw and most of them don't allow for a 100% offset account. 
um, and that's another topic I, I think we might be coming to. Um, but in essence, you know, so they're, they're different and it's really important that you understand that because the offset account provides um, a really clear delineation that allows you to preserve tax deductions. And not only that, you can then use build up your savings if you're going to buy a future home. So you'll have less debt on the future home, which is non-deductible. So it's a, there's actually a double-edged benefit um, by using the offset account and preserving the loan balance. Counterintuitive to what mum and dad taught us all, you know, pay down your loan and pay it down as fast as you can. Um, so, you know, this is one of those tricky things for people to comprehend because it really jars on what we got taught growing up. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's such a hard one to rewire. Like a lot of my friends have, you know, got into their first house now, you know, sort of in the, in the third, nearly, nearly 30, which I don't, don't necessarily want to say, but a lot of my friends have sort of bought their first house and all they're thinking about is just paying down debt as, as quickly as they can. It's such a, a hard thing to rewire. Uh, for the listeners that picked up on Dave mentioning that he had a podcast before, it's actually called The Property Planner, Buyer and Professor. I'd highly recommend it. Uh, it's got two other really good guests on it, uh, as well as Dave. Kate Bakos, who's a, a really well-renowned buyer's agent, and um, Peter Kalizos, who is the property professor who teaches um, a Master of Property over in, I think it's Adelaide Adelaide University or something yeah. like that. But um, yeah, great podcast, highly recommend it. I've listened to every single episode and I'm, I'm very proud that I can say that. Um, <laughs> Thanks for the plug. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's all right. Um, yeah, cool. I think one one thing I'll, I'll, I think we, we should really mention is, is on the mortgage strategy side of things, you know, is it, is it is it something that we can sort of set and forget and then move on and that's the mortgage strategy for forever or is it something that we have to sort of constantly revisit and update? Uh, it's something you need to constantly revisit um, because your life decisions are changing, you know, your property plans are changing. So it needs to align with your, really your property, financial and lifestyle plans. And yeah, so you need to revisit it and ensure you keep aligning it with the part your pathway forward and that's through you know your risk management system that's through preserving um tax deductions that's through how you manage your money and you know optimizing offset accounts interlinked with your mortgage to set up an effective money management system you know that'll evolve you know as you have more debts it gets more complex, guys. <laughs> as, as you have more kids, it gets more complex. <laughs> so, and you know, yeah, yeah. You need to keep revisiting it. We've kind of mentioned the offset account a little bit, but do you want to just kind of, we'll, we'll do a bit of a deeper dive into it and just kind of reveal a little bit of the, the magic behind the offset and, and why it is so important? Yeah, so look, the offset um, allows you to, as we touched on before, if, it, if you're not making the repayments and you're putting it into the offset, well, then you're not paying down the loan, so you're preserving the balance and therefore future tax deductions. Plus, it's you're able to use the cash towards a future home. You're also, many lenders will allow you to have multiple offset accounts. So we educate our clients on how to set up a money management system that works for them, personalised to them. We have buckets called Grow Life and Fun um, and then your investment bucket and, and people can have more buckets. And well. so they, they all link to the one, so let's say you've got property X offset and then you've got sub accounts against, uh, sub offsets against that and they all link to that same asset? Absolutely, yeah, that same debt. Yeah, they, they can. 
Not every lender offers that, though. Um, yeah, I was going to ask that, it, actually. Is there certain lenders that, like, is, there, is it very specific or is there a certain type of product that you have to go for to do it or is it sort of lender-specific? So most lenders nowadays will allow you to offset against variable rate loans, um, but, you know, less than half would allow multiple offsets linked to one mortgage and generally that'll be your home loan because that debt is not deductible, which means you don't get to claim the interest against your income. And yeah. Dave, I'd imagine, I'd imagine you get this question pretty often because um, I know that, that these um, packages often come with a, a, like a loan package fee or an annual 395 or whatever it is. What do you say to clients that um, say, well, I don't really want to be paying package annual fees? I'd say you're focusing on the small stuff. Um, let's get the big stuff right first. Um, let's understand, get your mortgage strategy right, make sure it's matching what your future property plans are. And then once we're clear on that, let's find the most appropriate lender um, for you. And if they happen, it happens to be under a professional package, um, which generally they are where you get sort of more bells and whistles and you pay an annual fee, so be it. I wouldn't be losing sleep over that. It, it's a bit like, you know, getting too caught up on a tiny differential in the interest rate. I, you know, I guarantee you the best rate today when you're looking for a loan will not be the best rate in a week, won't be the best rate in a fortnight. So at some point you've got to decide on the lender and understand it's not going to be the best rate in a month's time. So don't get too caught up on that. These are the big picture things that are going to set you up for the long term. Get them right. Yeah, I think you both touched on some pretty key points there, especially around like looking under the hood of, of the loan. Like as, as you they're, they're both touched on, like, you know, some of these loans have got some some annual fees, but it's not what you see when you're searching online. You kind of see the best rate and, you know, a lot of, I know a lot of people who sort of just chase that best rate, but they don't sort of look under the hood and what are all the other things that come along with the loan? Is it going to be a, a breakage fee? How much is that fee? So really long-term when you, you plan a big picture and that's why, you know, it's so essential to have that mortgage strategy down packed, you know, how's it going to impact that journey along the way? Um, and something else Dave touched on, which he taught me, which is really important is the, the buckets being against uh, or being their own individual offset account. So I had my own mortgage strategy uh, beforehand or sorry, money management system beforehand and had my own buckets, but you know, two or three of those buckets weren't linked to a, to a, to an offset account that's going to offset against my debt. So I think that's a really critical one. And although it might seem small to some people, I think it's, it's super essential. And as Dave touched on earlier, you know, that's, that's where you sort of bleed the, your wealth like long-term, right? If you, if you don't have it attached, you know, it's, it's not interest that you're saving. So, um, so I think it's time for, for two really key questions and probably something, something that, you know, everyone asks when they go to get a loan. Uh, the first one is, should I stay fixed or go variable? <laughs> that depends. <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> so look, you know, there, <laughs> like with all of this, there's a number of questions or considerations underneath that. <clears throat> so basically, you know, fixed rates are less flexible and really, fixed rates are like insurance. It's a way of managing risk. And, you know, no one's got the crystal ball to know for sure um, what's going to happen in the future around interest rates. Now, definitely at the moment, fixed rates are as low as they've ever been. They've just started rising. So 
there certainly is a case that now is as good a time and there might ever be again in the future, you know, to be locking in some debt. Um, but the question still is how much debt? Um, generally, discounted variable rates are slightly lower than fixed rates, although there's some pretty amazing fixed rates on the market at the moment. But really, it should align with your risk profile because what you're buying is certainty with a fixed rate loan. So your risk profile, as well as the amount of risk you've got at the moment, you know, if you've got a lot of debt, you don't have a lot of spare cash flow, um, you don't have a big buffer of savings, then I would say consider fixing some of your debt to manage risk. You know, if you've gone aggressively with an investment strategy and you've got a lot of debt, you know, then I would say manage your risk through fixing some debt. I would never say fix all your debt or, or almost never um, fix all your debt because of fixed rates having limitations on an extra repayments. Most of them have limitations on how much you can repay. And there's only a few lenders out there that allow you to offset against fixed rate loans as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a key point. And I think, you know, it's really good for the listeners to understand that you can split loans as well. So, you know, a portion can be fixed and a portion can be variable. It's not just a straight fixed or variable. Um, one thing I do want to touch on though, Dave, is in the scenario where someone's going through a bit of a, an aggressive accumulations phase, let's say they bought property one, and they were hoping to, to refinance and pull out some equity in, in year two or year three. Um, if they were to go on a fixed loan, say it was just the whole, whole amount, fixed loan, for like a five-year period, what are some of the complications there with being able to refinance? Yeah, really good question. So um, if you fix, then it can be quite expensive if you want to refinance during the fixed rate period. Basically, the lender has bought borrowed their money to then let on lend to you at a margin. Um, and so they need to recoup that cost. Now, obviously, if, if rates go down and you want to get out of that fixed rate, um, well, you know, what would be the point of providing fixed rates if the banks could just let you refinance and get onto a lower rate whenever you liked during a fixed rate period? So they charge you what's called an economic cost. So there can be many thousands of dollars expense um, when you refinance on a fixed rate loan. So, so you've actually got to correlate how long do I fix for with, you know, when might I want to refinance slash might I want to sell a property? And, um, and then also you want to have at least the amount variable plus some buffer that if I'm going to fix for five years, I'm not selling, I'm not going to want to refinance to another lender. And um, how much can I save and pay off my loan in a best case scenario over those five years, well, I need to have that much variable because most fixed rates have limitations on how much you can repay. So there's a few things to consider. There is so much to consider in that situation, but even for like, let's say beginner, beginner investors, like we've, we've mentioned it maybe six or seven times already, refinance. Why would I refinance? What's the point? Yeah, so you might refinance, as I touched on before, you know, there's a new best offer every week um, so at some point, you're probably going to consider refinancing to access a better rate or package, you know? Um, so that's going to be one of the reasons. The reality is a bit like, you know, our electricity and our gas bills. And, you know, once you're with a provider for a long enough time... They've got you, right? <laughs> they bank on you just staying with them and, you know, they offer the better offers to new newcomers. So that's, that's one of the reasons you refinance. Um, 
you know, access equity to then make other decisions. You know, you might have another lender who'll, let, who'll lend you more than your lender. Um, your lender might not be as flexible with policy, which I guess is connected to being able to borrow more with another lender. So there can be some different reasons such as that. Yeah, and in terms of the other big question, I think you've touched on it before, you know, with, with the sort of offset account and um, paying paying principal. But for someone who is still in the mindset of, should I go for a P&I repayment, a principal interest repayment or an interest only repayment, what would you sort of say to them as a general rule of thumb? Look, if it's a, if it's a home, um, then, you know, you definitely consider principal and interest. Um, you pay a lower interest rate on principal and interest loans. Um, and when it's a home loan, you pay lower rates as well. Um, so you consider it. Um, and one of the questions you want to ask yourself, is there any chance you might want to turn this property into an investment property into the future? And if you would, that's when you want to more deeply consider whether you pay interest only on a home, even though the cost is higher but you're gonna preserve tax deductions. There's no black and white answer to that because no one knows the future. Um, and so you might err to go principal and interest, but just make the minimum repayment and put everything else into an untouchable offset account that, you, that is actually the consideration of, um, a, like, call it like a repayment offset. Um, whereas if you've got investment debt, then you'll generally pay interest only if you have non-deductible debt, because the non-deductible debt generally will be more expensive because what, even though the rate might be lower, which is I think one of your points, um, like the investment loan might have a higher interest rate, but once you factor in your tax deduction, um, it actually ends up being a jet, truly a lower interest rate than your home loan rate. So again, a bit complex, a little bit hard to understand. Um, but in, you know, end dollar terms, it's cheaper for you. So if you've got home loan non-deductible debt, you generally might consider principal and interest. If you've got investment debt, interest only. But also if you plan to get non-deductible or future purchase a home in the future and you only have an investment loan at the moment, that still would be a reason to pay interest only on that investment property because you want to be building up your maximum, same things we've been touching on, build up your maximum savings so you have less debt on that home when you buy it in the future, even if first time buy your first property is an investment um, and you're preserving the tax deduction. So very counterintuitive. Um, yeah, but it, hence why repayment strategy, I've added it as a sixth strategy. <laughs> yeah, it is just so complex. Like, I mean, even, even just the questions that you're asking, like, is that property potentially going to become an investment property for you one day. Like you might not even know, like you might go, yeah, you know what? I'm happy with this as my, as my property. It's going to be my forever home, but your circumstances could be drastically different in eight, 10 years time. And then all of a sudden it's not. So you've done P and I, and you potentially in, in hindsight should have done um, IO. That's just, yeah, uh, exactly. just such a, it just, it calls, no. calls the need for, for, for strategy firstly, that you really need to be giving it some thought because if you're not giving it any thought, then you're not giving yourself any chance at all. But even like once you've done that, it's just so dynamic and potentially yeah, the, the reason why you do need to be doing regular check-ins to not only with the portfolio, but your mindset and your future plans moving forward. Great, great points, Joey. And two of the key questions to help simplify it to some degree are, do I think I'll buy another home or a future home? 
okay? Because then that feeds into most of these strategies. And do I think my current property, I'd like to hold on to it? <laughs> um, so they're two key questions. And if the answer is yes to one or both, then you really owe it to yourself to then unpack these other questions to get to the right solution for you. For sure. Yeah, that's such, such two really critical questions to ask yourself. And I'm sure, Dave, you know, there's, there's a number of hard topics or hard conversations that you potentially have to have with your clients and trying to explain how everything works. Um, if I was to play devil's advocate on, on just one of those, uh, and probably Go something you, you hear pretty, pretty common is, you know, um, why, are you, why are you presenting me this package when, you know, this other package got a, got a much lower rate? Why wouldn't I just go for the lowest rate? Yeah, um, it, it's a really good question. What um, we would say is, well, firstly, have we got your mortgage strategy clear? Now, if we've got your mortgage strategy clear and we've done all the things and more that we've talked about, um, then we say, look, yeah, let's find the best interest rate um, for you. Now, my strategic mortgage brokers, my company, we have access to about 40, 50 lenders. And we're, we're not in the quoting game, okay? Because if you want to, if you want to deal, if you just want to find the cheapest thing out there, you don't need a strategic mortgage broker because anyone who's above the age of probably my seven year old can look and see 4.2 is higher than 3.2. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, if it's that simple, you don't need a strategic mortgage broker and do it yourself. And that's fine. You've got to do what you feel right, what's right for you. Um, but, you know, if you want to work with people who are going to guide you and give you the strategy and the education, then you may, you know, th there's a cost to providing <laughs> that time and service like with any profession. Um, and so we actually get people to make a commitment after, you know, probably initial discovery call and in a meeting and then they agree to work with us. Um, and then, yeah, we go through and, and take them on that journey. And yeah, we'll obviously, ultimately, you know, they can select any lender. We have no preferences. We are lender agnostic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that, that would be my answer to that question. And just in on, on top of that as well, like, I mean, I mean, I personally, myself, I, I've got and, and hit a certain ceiling with some of the the major lenders and do you mind talking to us a little bit about what happens when you get to that point look it's a great question again joey um with that this often comes up and particularly when we're writing property plans but also with with mortgage strategy clients where their property strategy um and we set we work with around set money goals which sets the parameters so it's not what a lender tells you you can lend that's not how you should determine <laughs> how much you spend on a property and how much you borrow, it's actually your own cash flow and safety net. And so we actually frame them and set goals with people and then match up the purchase prices to your money goals. Because everyone has a different level, that means they'll be able to sleep at night of how much cash they have in the bank and how much surplus cash flow they have after they purchase that property. So then let's say we've figured out that a mainstream lender won't lend you the, lend you the money, Joey, but your money goals are fine that you could stretch further. So then we look at second tier lenders and find a second tier lender that matches your property strategy. Again, it's marrying up the property strategy to the mortgage strategy. Um, so then, yeah, we'll find that. And, you know, sometimes get the, you know, the interest rates 20 basis points higher or 40 basis points higher, but 
pretty much any time in history, if you told them they were even getting a, the second tier lender rates that are available at the moment, um, people would go, boy, that's I'll an amazing take it. rate. Yeah. So it's, everything's relative as well. So that, that's basically the process, you know, we'd go through whether it's with a strategic mortgage broker or our property planning clients who then work with a strategic mortgage broker as well. Yeah, I think it's so critical to have that those two key pieces together, being the property plan. Like for me, you know, being being a younger investor, you kind of just want to borrow as much as you can and get into the best property you can right now. But it's not until you actually stop, take a seat back, look at that sort of 60 foot view, look at, you know, what the next 30 years may actually look like. Understand that you may only need sort of two to five purchases within your portfolio and then go, okay, well, let's put a plan around these two to five purchases rather than just be really aggressive and get into the best asset that I possibly can. It's, a, it's really critical to, to have that strategy put together and both sides, the mortgage side and, and the planning side. But um, Dave, man, I think you, you, you've touched on some phenomenal points today. I, I really value your time and I really appreciate you coming on to the, to the podcast and sharing some of your insights with your guests, mate. If, you, if you'd be up for it, we'd love to have you again on in the future at some point in time. But uh, thank you again, mate. My pleasure, guys. I've probably opened up more questions than I've answered. But <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, right. I've, I've, been, I've been taking note of a few. We're going to have to go yeah. with round two pretty soon. That was a reason to get you back on, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave, we'll, we'll chat to you All soon. All right, guys. Yeah. Thanks so much, mate. Good to be with you. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, mate. Bye. See ya.